0: Let's hear some of that movie chat, credits roll by, and I tip my hat, credits roll by, I want to know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat, credits roll by, tell me who did that, life in the credits is where I want to play.
1: Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is the show where we learn about entertainment by chatting with people who work in the industry.
0: I'm Susan and I'm Ben. Today we're discussing the film Malignant.
1: And joining us today is our special guest Emily Winter.
0: Hi Emily. Emily.
1: Hello, (laughs) thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. We're excited to talk to you.
0: We're very excited. So Emily, can you tell us a little bit about what you do in the entertainment industry?
1: I just got
2: done writing for the first season of a new Nickelodeon show called That Girl Lele and this past week I just put a book out that's a fun trivia book called One Day Smarter, and I do stand-up comedy. So kind of a little bit of everything. I just, I just, you know, I'm trying to make it Mm -hmm. out here. So sometimes that leads me down different paths.
1: Yeah. Actually, when I was reading your bio um, and thinking of questions, I had a hard time finding stuff because there were so many things you do. I was like, I want to ask her about everything. How do I narrow this down?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I try and I've always been a writer and then I the comedy when I moved to New York. So, I mean, I just I try to follow those things. Yeah,
0: that's great. That's fantastic. And you're in New York right now, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. I've lived in New York for a long time, but I'm from the suburbs of Chicago.
0: Cool.
1: So can you tell us about uh, the specific projects you've worked on?
2: Sure. Um, so television wise, Lele, that girl Lele, um, was my first WGA staffed position. Oh, Cool. Uh, yeah, it's nice to be in the WGA finally. Yeah. (laughs) It's a hard thing. The, the guild is hard to get into. I mean, I was, I was staffed on a show before this Mm -hmm. and it was a non-guild show and most shows are guild, but, um, the guild is great because it has like a hierarchy of it's a union, right? So, like, right. basically, like, if you're working on a show, you're putting in hours at your job, and then the high, the more hours you put in, the higher level you can get, the more money you can get. So that's like a very cool thing. They have good yeah. health insurance, boring stuff like that. But yeah, so then I, I also worked on a show where I had to move to Miami, uh, several years ago, and that was. On the fusion network and they were okay. trying their hand at like a like a news comedy show which did not work out we lasted oh. nine months <laughs> uh, that was a fun adventure so yeah. those are the, the tv shows that i've worked on and then i worked for the npr trivia show ask me another um, yeah how oh, neat yeah I'm, i love it so much and it just ended unfortunately after a nine-year run so wow. that was disappointing but it was very cool <laughs> cool show I was really happy to work on it for three years I was a joke and game writer for them nice. and I make a little bit of money
1: doing stand-up awesome
0: fantastic that's good to hear <laughs> so when you say WGA the just so our listeners know what you're talking about that's the Writers Guild of America yeah. right yeah Yeah. So that's the, the writer's union. Mm -hmm.
2: Absolutely. I don't know if you want to talk about this later. We can talk about it now, but a lot of people's path to getting into the WDA is they get a job as a writer's assistant and then they get a job as a script coordinator. And then they hope that one of their bosses hires them to be a staff writer. So I've had a writing partner since I was an intern at the Colbert report uh, right out of college and he did all that so he he's the one who like, okay. took that sort of there's you know they always say like there's no there's no real like path to getting exactly what you want and that's absolutely right. true but if there is one that's sort of it but it's still not a guarantee like you know right. it's not like going to grad school or whatever but yeah so he's been in the wga for a long time ever since he was a writing assistant but yeah for me this is the first time and i'm Happy to be
1: be in it. Yeah, that's great. Take Congratulations. The writers, thank you. Yeah. Speaking of paths for your career, can you tell us about your specific path and kind of your education background, how you got where you are now?
2: My path is a mess, like a real like. I think like <laughs> for <laughs> my path would I feel like only be inspiring to people that don't know what they're doing with their lives and <laughs> <laughs> come across <laughs> it a little bit late. I went to the University of Wisconsin, Madison, which is like the best experience ever. And I loved it, but I didn't know. um, I I always knew I was a writer, but I wasn't sure. I didn't like realize that there was television writing. I feel like it's a very, maybe, uh, you know, I know you guys are in the Midwest. I don't know if it's like a Midwestern mentality or whatever. It just never like leaving the Midwest and then like, getting into the entertainment industry did not feel like a thing that was very accessible to me.
1: Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's just, it's really hard and it feels really far away. So, I mean, I majored in journalism and then kind of had a crisis, Like working on a newspaper in Wisconsin after college, just for that summer, I was like, I don't want to do this. This is not my life. And I was writing a comedy script about our college newspaper, which I will never even reread because I'm sure it's so bad. (laughs) But the point is you find out where your passions really lie. So I took a script writing class after college. I moved home to my parents' house, was working at the mall doing makeup. And I took a script writing class and my teacher encouraged me to apply for an internship at the Colbert Report and I felt like I was still 22 but I was like I felt like so dumb like doing an internship after college which in retrospect it doesn't matter you know yeah but yeah so I moved out to New I got that internship by writing a really wild bold cover letter which you know I've tried that tactic since then it really only worked once for me but I recommend (laughs) it So I moved to New York to do that internship, and then I was able to, through another intern, get a job with a Vogue editor because I was like waitressing in Times Square and it was so miserable. And she had heard that Midwesterners work really hard, and so <laughs> she was British, and she was like, uh, she was actually there's a character in Devil Wears Prada who's based on her, which is the British woman, and. It, Oh believe. yeah. Yeah, Emily Blunt's character. So I worked for her when she was all grown up. Uh and she was oh my very, very nice. Some of her friends, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So then I worked for her. I mean, there's just basically I was like, I was realizing that I wanted to get into writing and I didn't know how. And yeah, I could go through the whole thing, but when I was at Colbert, I remember asking one of the writers, actually the guy who created the brilliant cartoon Daria. Yes. I was like, what do I have to do to like get a job? like a writing job here and he just had me sit down and as all the other writers came into his office he said what does Emily have to do to get a writing job and they all said stand-up comedy and I was not okay. I did not like that answer uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it took me actually another five years to start stand-up after that um, and then of course I fell in love with it because it's wonderful mm-hmm. but I just never really considered myself a stage person or a stand-up right. person.
0: What was your hesitation to doing stand up? I
2: think, uh, so many things. Yeah. I don't feel like a natural performer. I didn't then. I think it's a skill and now I feel like a natural, a natural performer, but really it's just, I put in all my hours, you know? Right. I just lost a ton of weight and I was really, really excited about my new bod and like moving to the big city and blah, blah, blah. And like, to do anything where I would look like ugly or vulnerable, like really did not jive with like my idea of myself. You know, mm-hmm. I just really didn't I didn't want to look and feel stupid. And, and honestly, like the first time I did an open mic, I did feel so stupid because by the time I did that, I had been working at a teen blog for a long time. And some of my writers were stand-ups and they were all at this open mic and I was shaking and I had my little piece oh. of paper with my, with my jokes on it and I was their boss. So like, it was so embarrassing for them to see for me, you know, they probably don't even remember it, but like, yeah. they, they right. kind of were so sweet after it. And they gave me some tips and some help. And now like in retrospect, I was so embarrassed, but now I realize, like doing this for so long, there are a lot of TV writers who dip a toe into stand up and can't do it. And some get better and some just don't, some just don't. Yeah. And it's not, people don't really care. It's not, it's not like embarrassing. So it's, Mm -hmm. totally fine um and then the other way happens too where like there's a lot of great stand-ups that just can't write Mm -hmm. and nobody in the in either industry thinks it's like so embarrassing so is that helpful (laughs) because you know you want to be growing at the same rate for all the things you do but it's just not possible it's just right
0: Mm -hmm. but now you uh perform quite a bit and you're confident and you enjoy it right
2: yes I love it I mean it took me for sure a couple years to get the full nerves out I think it just taught me to like open up a little bit more and it taught me that like it doesn't have to be perfect as long as once you get off stage it's fun and you can Mm -hmm. scrap your jokes in the middle of a set and just talk to people and roast them if that's what they want or you know what I mean like you just have to kind of go with the flow and make it a living art rather than like a Like you hit play off a recorder, you know? Yeah.
0: Right, right.
1: How did you end up at That Girl Lele?
2: Yeah, well, I am so pumped about the show. It's like, yeah. I think it's like very fun and very important. It's so cool. I think that it's two black girl leads and I'm just like really lucky to be working on it and yeah so it's a very it's a very cool thing um and honestly it really was they i i've heard this a lot where they say like people who like work really hard then get lucky and like luck is just like a sort of a end point of your hard work and like i did very little to get this particular job except for just write for all my life and keep working with my writing partner for all the years since our internship so we've been writing scripts together we've like come in second place in so many contests been like oh my gosh when are we going to get hired together when are we going to get hired together and he's been working his way up and knew the creator and the executive producers and they really loved and respected him and then they interviewed me and they were like hey listen like you know you're a couple of white kids so that's not very valuable to us particularly <laughs> for this show but Emily you are a woman and we got along in the interview and so like <laughs> that kind of got us in you know looped it my yeah. partner looped it all the heavy lifting and I just came in as a woman <laughs> for one second so <laughs> honestly I'm happy for it yeah
1: yeah, it's really fun. I watched a few clips of it online and it was a really fun show.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's silly. It's kid stuff, obviously. Yeah. So we're not yeah. the target audience, but it is fun no, to work but with.
1: And yeah. Yeah, it does. It looks really well done.
0: How do you write for a kid show? Because I mean, do you have to put yourself sort of in that headspace of being a kid or, or what's your process for, for tackling that?
2: I think something that I am learning is that it's not necessarily about making the most mathematically correct joke because that's not what kids find funny and like right. I love to equate like jokes to math and you have to get that perfect twist that like really lights people up and sometimes the funnier thing when you're writing for kids is just to have somebody make a fart noise and honestly <laughs> it's fun and it, it, it also it like unlocks a piece of my brain because it's like this is not the only way to be funny there's like multiple ways and like you know I think, like, at one point we just had Layla say, like, shut up. And it was so (laughs) funny. When she did it, it lit up the room and it was just like to hear this little kid say that, like, she's not that, like, young, but yeah, it was just like really delightful. And so you also have to, like, think about what are these actors' strengths, you know, and sort of play to those strengths. So, yeah. And then I think uh, the other thing is sometimes the EPs, the executive producers, uh, we'll check with the kids to say, to be like, this is still a thing that pe- people still say fire, right?
1: <laughs> so
2: we're like kids still say fire. So there's definitely an element of that. But because my first season was on Zoom and I only got to go out on set for like a week because of COVID, I did not, I was not privy to a lot of those conversations, which I'm really looking forward to if we uh, come back in person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: that is kind of a challenge as a writer to stay up with, you know, the slang they use because things can quickly become outdated.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I have three uh, nephews and they are 12, nine and seven and they are really good. Yeah. They're good Nickelodeon age
1: and they are helpful. Yeah. You got a little focus group. Yeah, Yeah. totally. (laughs)
2: And I actually, they, they did like a Nickelodeon focus group. They shared with us about what kids want to see. And then Mm -hmm. I asked the boy, like my nephews and they, Said the exact same thing as the biggest oh. group, so it is helpful that's to have good. them around. But also, yeah. you know, like we're reflecting culture and also creating it. So if we want to make up mm. our own word, like that's our prerogative. And like yeah. there yeah. was, I mean, yeah, we've gotten some really goofy jokes in there that have just been like really weird and creative. And you know, make up your own stuff. So
0: yeah, it's kind of neat. You don't have to follow a joke formula. You know, you're you're you have a lot more freedom writing for kids
2: yeah but it's like it's a bigger canvas so that can be intimidating yeah. because it's like oh yeah. you don't you don't have to follow this path you have all of these paths and you're like oh no I can't. <laughs> um, so I definitely like I hope I contributed a lot the first season yeah. but I also like I'm learning a lot
1: yeah cool awesome how does being a writer for TV differ from stand up and differ from writing a book? And then are there any ways those kind of overlap?
2: Um, I think they're all definitely related. The thing about writing a book, this is the first book that has been in my name, and it takes a really long time to come out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's hard, like, I think in stand-up, you get immediate gratification or immediate right. horror if they hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then television scripts, that's hard too, because the stuff that's, I guess that almost takes as long as a, a book because right. it never really comes out, right? Like yeah, <laughs> you just submit to contests or whatever, or you, or people will hire you based on scripts that mm-hmm. you've written. But for most of us, the our scripts will never see the light of day. And you just have to be at peace with that and still right. write your heart and know it and just like, beca- like do it because you can't not basically. Right. And then obviously like my, my book was a trivia book. So it doesn't, it's not, you know, beginning, middle, end. My writing partner will kill me for saying this because he hates this. But when it comes to screenwriting, I always like the save the cat model, which is save the cat is a book that basically really lays out like on what page precisely X, Y, and Z should happen in the plot. And yeah. I think, especially in the, in the beginning, I'm using I'm using that model less because it, it becomes sort of part of you. And I think maybe yeah. that's why I don't know. I think I think artists don't want their art to be distilled to such a mathematical, yeah. you know, just like. Yeah, plug and play sort of level but um I don't mind it (laughs) yeah I found it very helpful um especially when you have an idea and you don't know where to go with it and you don't want to write millions of pages and just realize that that's all stuff that happens before page one Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. cool so you've uh performed a lot in comedy festivals as well as writing um how do you get booked on those
2: so comedy festivals, um, you apply for them. So you send in mm-hmm. a five minute tape and the five minute tape is the bane of every comedian's existence, mm-hmm. uh, new or seasoned, I think. <laughs> but we should all be taping our sets whenever there's a good crowd. Yeah. And do as I say, not as I do, because mm-hmm. I see a good crowd at a show, like a hot crowd, a big crowd, a crowd that really wants comedy. And and. <laughs> what I want to do is play with them. And like, yeah. And yeah so like, I want to talk to them. I want to make this experience really special and not mm-hmm. like I'm just going through the motions. And yeah. so anyway, getting that good tape is very tough because for five minutes, you have to kind of, you can do a little bit of off the cuff stuff, but you kind of have to keep it like as close as you can to the script, um, right. and that's true for getting into festival for festival tapes and also for late night tapes. Which I haven't done a late night set, but my manager is like, "You need your where's your five minute clean tape?" And I'm like, "Oh, I keep not <laughs> doing it." Uh. <laughs> you get into a festival, you go to a city, the city that has the festival, and they have a lineup for you for the weekend, and you hang out with a bunch of other comics, and you you know probably stay in an Airbnb. Sometimes they put you up and you just uh, do a lot of sets and have fun. And hopefully it's a good festival where there's people and maybe even some industry. But I kind of feel like I did have a friend who, who said like every weekend is a comedy festival in New York because there's yeah. millions of comics. And so yeah. right. every night, it, every night you can end up staying up till 3 a.m. with somebody if you want to. So it's yeah. kind of like, so festivals <laughs> have been fun and stuff. But like, I do feel like um, the most valuable connections are the ones I make here in New York. And I just happen to live in the like best place for stand up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Do you have any moments from your career so far where they're either really unbelievable or you're like, I can't believe this is what I get to do for my job? Or do you have any that are like, I can't believe this is what my job is right now? Like, do you have any moments like that?
2: Um, I totally think that everything is less glamorous when you're actually doing it. Like <laughs> yeah. work is yeah. work and I'm so glad and happy. Like I don't, I don't mm-hmm. dread work. I don't like get that pit in my stomach that when
0: you yeah. have a job, you
2: hate. And Uh I guess, and I think like a lot of it, a lot of being a grown up is just trying to avoid that feeling, (laughs) Um, which again is like, so it's like, it sounds pessimistic or whatever, but like, yeah, I, and so like, but I just, you know, you don't get magically like beautiful and like, you don't get a clean desk and you don't get like children, like 21 year olds bringing you coffee. Like this is not what's happening. Every time I do something, I'm like, oh yeah, like I just threw a book launch party and like I, I put on my Spanx for my wedding and I it took me like 45 minutes. I could really pull them off and then they were getting all weird and I'm like, this is <laughs> supposed to be like, you know? <laughs> I feel like I have a lot of those moments where you see something in pictures and you just think it's like so perfect and so then it's like, yeah. oh, right, right, right. I can't breathe. And, and right. things are like half <laughs> on and whatever. <laughs> feeling that you get when you do when you have a great set in a really Mm -hmm. wonderful room is like so unparalleled it's totally like a drug or a religious experience (laughs) like yeah i mean it's just like a beautiful beautiful thing and like i was not prepared for that i started to stand up because i thought it would be a ticket to getting writing jobs and it is and that's totally 100 percent true but I didn't I wasn't ready for that amazing feeling that comes along with stand-up on its own and that is yeah. super super cool also you get your picture taken a lot which can sometimes be a nightmare but like sometimes it's <laughs> wonderful and you get a good shot and you're like I oh, am yeah, not that bad you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome yeah fantastic what advice do you have for people who are interested in getting into either writing or stand-up or anything that you've no, done? All
2: of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's one piece of advice that just is for everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're confident or unconfident, whatever. You just have to do it. And mm-hmm. that, is, that is the whole thing. You want to write, right? You want to do stand-up. You have to do stand-up. And especially with stand-up people... We'll put off stand up. uh, You hear this one all the time. I'm going to get my five minutes together. I'm going to, I'm going to start stand up as long as I get my five minutes together. No, you know what? You just have to go to an open mic and maybe you have a couple jokes that you've been thinking about rolling in your brain. And maybe you spend the rest of the time talking about your day and maybe whatever, you just got to get up in front of that microphone because you're not going to, you're never, no one has ever written a perfect five minutes without going on stage first. And so that one, people always want to reverse engineer it and you can't, you just got to do it. And it sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually the first time I went on stage was before my first open mic. Cause I took a class and our, our class went really well. So like that, I guess that is a way of sort of preparing your five minutes, but you still got to go to your class and you still got to yeah. try your bad jokes in front of everyone. And right. um, you still got to just be bad for a second. And like, that's okay. And you can be bad at any age. And yeah. then with the writing, it's, I mean, it's the same thing. It's It's really hard, I think, to sit at your computer and write and make up a world and when no one's asking you to and no one wants it. But that's how everything gets done. And it just sucks when you feel stupid. And then Mm -hmm. you send off your scripts to script contests, which I think is a really good way to at least be read and feel like you're a person in the world. And so I think like script contest deadlines, again, if you just Google them you'll find a ton of them. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. I mean, I would like, my, my Chicago really came out there, bad um, <laughs> and you know, just research, research, like which ones are the ones that you want to enter. And I think like use those deadlines as deadlines for yourself. I want to have my, you know, my first my first draft done by September 1st so that my second draft by October or whatever is ready.
0: Let's get to our featured film. Today we're discussing the 2021 horror film Malignant. Malignant was written by James Wan, Ingrid Bisou, and Akilah Cooper. It was directed by James Wan and stars Annabelle Wallace, Maddie Hassan, and George Young. Susan, can you use a quick breakdown what's this movie about?
1: Yes, uh, just adds up, we probably will, there'll probably be a, some spoilers while we're talking Lots about Lots of this. spoilers. But, um, yeah, so we meet Madison um, at the beginning of the movie. She's in a really bad marriage. It's abusive and she's also pregnant and we just get to this culminating incident where her head's hit against the wall and it ends up releasing this monster um kind of and we don't entirely find out who this monster is until the very close to the very end but it just starts kind of invading her thoughts she starts seeing all these scenes of people being murdered and she thinks they're just bad dreams but then realizes that they're actually happening the monster starts attacking other people in her life we meet her sister um, we find out she's adopted and then we also also running through this is the storyline of this hospital we see at the be- very beginning kind of like doing experimenting or researching children who have been born with some kind of physical condition that they're they say they're trying to cure but this hospital looks like such a stereotypical like horrifying castle that <laughs> there's no way anything good is going on there. <laughs> um so we also meet the doctors involved in that and these storylines really twist together in this really kind of shocking conclusion but um also there's a lot of very good horror elements in it. It's a very good horror movie but also of these darker themes of like domestic abuse and you know losing a child and um, what goes along, you know, kids who are like, there's like the adoption theme in there, and yeah. There's very, a lot in this there's movie. There's a lot going on in this movie, but very, very good horror movie. But I think we should just jump in and talk about it.
0: Yeah, so Emily, you chose this movie for us to watch. Why did you choose this one? Well,
2: one, I'm glad that you guys liked it. Uh, yeah. I would hate to make you watch a movie <laughs> that you didn't like. I love horror movies. I am uh, not the best at like remembering what a horror movie is. What I just like, but I love like, okay, this actually relates to stand-up, I think, like, it's a a feeling that you get watching horror movies, like, it's a drug that your body produces without Mm -hmm. drugs or alcohol, like, without ingesting anything, and you can get it just from watching a movie, and, like, to me, that is, like, incredible, and so Malignant came out, and I hadn't seen it yet, and everyone was talking about it, and so that's why I was like, oh, we got to watch this one, because I want that feeling, and I also want to be part of this zeitgeist
1: right yeah same um but yeah there's definitely some really good jump scares there's really good tension and you're just like oh my god something I know something bad's gonna happen but I have no idea what it is definitely some good moments in this movie of that yeah
0: yeah to be clear this movie is bananas (laughs) they threw everything into this film um and James Wan's a very famous director he's He's done a lot of horror movies. He,
1: yeah, I did the, a lot of The Conjuring, right? He kind of constructed the, that whole.
0: Yeah. Right, right. And I mean, he even, I mean, he directed the Aquaman movies, yeah. um, which have some horror elements in them. But he he's such a good director. And this is made, it's directed to be kind of a schlocky B movie, right? It's sort of supposed to look kind of cheesy and over the top, especially at the beginning, yeah. where, where all the acting is very over the top and, and, it's, and it's shot in a sort of a B horror movie way. But then it starts unveiling like a very serious story under underneath it and things get wild. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's a really fun movie because it it sort of shifts throughout the movie in in some very different themes and very different horror ideas. Um, And it's sort of, you know, it's part haunted house. It's part mental asylum. It's part evil twin spoilers, Um, you know, and all of these things sort of come together in a very I mean it's it's entertaining it's really fun and it's just it's it feels like they like wrote everything down and they're like let's fit it all in
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely I I love all of the worlds that it dives into that's a really good point and way of putting it um and I love any any horror movie that for me keeps the mystery alive like I was like mm-hmm. I was following it rather than trying to predict it which for me is what I love because I'm like, what is yeah. happening? And then if it's satisfying yeah. at the end, you're like, oh my God, I yeah. didn't see it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, it, it is very satisfying. And I, I do tend to kind of try to predict stuff. But even when I predicted something that was kind of right, I still was like, had no idea what was going to happen. And when it did happen, I was like, whoa, that is like, way, way more than I thought was gonna happen. Like, so it's still, even if you're able to predict parts of it, I think it's still really surprising at the end. So you still get that good, like feeling of whoa, like where it blows your mind a little bit, so.
0: Yeah, and it feels like they're trying to make their own sort of iconic movie monster in this film, right? So I thought it was really cool. Uh, This is a huge spoiler, so I'm sorry. You guys need to watch this movie, but there's there's a monster that lives on the back of a woman. (laughs) Um, and and his, <laughs> his name is uh, Gabriel, but the way he transforms, it's, you know, it's sort of like a werewolf scene, right? Where he, mm-hmm. but where she sort of like transforms and her joints and limbs start moving backwards. And early in the movie, you see this, this monster moving in a really creepy way. You don't realize it's because they're moving backwards the whole time, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, that kind of like scariness, is kind of a cool idea of saying you know like this is a terrifying you know sort of unsettling way to show something moving Mm -hmm. but it's just someone moving i don't know i thought i was really creative in that way
1: yeah seeing the transformation was cool It was very much like a werewolf um kind of yes absolutely with the with the human body but yeah it was cool to see that transformation process
2: i feel like that could have gone so easily into cheesy, icky, yeah. stupid or predictable, but instead mm-hmm. I find myself like wanting to re-watch to see how yeah. expertly good it yeah. was because I didn't, it made sense in the end, but it didn't, yeah. um, it didn't, uh, uh, yeah, appear to me to be the obvious explanation, no. yeah. And it, no, like, not at all. It's really scary. It looks scary and mm-hmm. It is so, Yeah,
1: yeah it looks like a monster it does not look like a human moving around at all
0: <laughs> right it raises some questions like how is she that strong you know i mean and how does she have these powers it doesn't really matter yeah
1: because it's it's there's just right. a supernatural element yeah, yeah. It's, it's
0: whatever <laughs> but um i there is you know susan and i watched it last night and we actually got to see it in a movie theater which was cool oh, no. but it's a scary movie yeah. and there was actually a scene where someone in the theater got up and like went out to they the left. lobby yeah. um,
1: they did not stay for the end <laughs> i think
0: they thought it was too scary but yeah. uh, a couple left but it was right at the scene in the movie i think it's like the second scene in the house where the monster yeah. comes and susan
1: because the monster is this just pretty much the shadow moving around and then all of a sudden out of court in my eye, I see a shadow walking by me and I'm like, what? <laughs> oh Wait, was it the people leaving? Yeah. yeah but <laughs> in my head, I was so focused on what was happening on screen and then it was happening here. And I'm like, no. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Special effects cannot be that good. <laughs> it is so
0: funny. It was, a, it was a 4D movie experience for Susan.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was
0: it was very funny it's like did they
1: hire an actor to come in here and just walk around <laughs> that would be amazing that is next yeah. level
2: dedication to yeah. that one's craft yeah.
0: <laughs> i absolutely love when she's seeing the visions of the monster and the room melts yeah. into the other place they do it a couple times in the movie and i thought that was always really well done
1: mm-hmm. yeah really good pretty good visual effects the whole time yeah
0: absolutely like you know even when they're leaning into like the b-horror movie feel it's like oh yeah i get it i get what they're doing you know and it's really fun um and there are a couple actual action sequences in this movie that are really well directed um i'm thinking of like the part where the monster attacks the police precinct and that's all like really exciting and really well done and a really fun movie to watch Mm
2: -hmm. yes and oh, also when the monster is running from someone, I, I can't remember who it is. It's been yeah, and like in this like underground lair, and you're like, oh my yeah. gosh, that feels like a superhero movie for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: that's yeah, cool. he's chasing him through underground Seattle.
2: Yeah. Yes, underground. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Do you guys have a favorite scene in the film?
2: I like any time when there's just like a bad a person who's like a character who's just one hundred percent bad. Like, oh, this is an evil guy, and then yeah and then you see him murdered so yeah Yeah. pretty pretty close to the start uh yeah i think it's giving too much away but oh yeah there's a bad dude and then you you get his and there's a little bit Uh of uh you know just female wish fulfillment happening yeah on top of yeah
1: i agree that was a satisfying ending for that character yeah (laughs) Yeah, right from the top you're like this guy's gross there's no redeeming qualities here yeah they and- don't even try
2: like they just make yeah. them purely bad which is like another fun thing of horror movies like yeah obviously you want some complicated characters i think our main character mm-hmm. turns out to be extremely complicated yeah. um but it's nice to see some some yeah satisfying purely bad people yeah. though
0: yeah, yeah that, that i mean that that's a joy to watch i yeah. mean because as soon as he showed up i'm like oh i hate this character mm-hmm. and i want him gone and then he, he is
1: gone you don't have to deal with him the whole movie yeah
0: because at first i was like oh this is gonna be the monster and he's gonna be here mm-hmm. the whole time And i'm gonna have to put up with him being you know bad to bad to this woman um and no he's dead and mm-hmm. we're moving on and that's yeah. awesome i i really like the relationship with the sisters yeah
1: that was good yeah yeah, I really loved the transformation. When you got to see her yeah. transform, I thought that was really cool, really well done. And then also where you see her, um, where at the very final kind of fight scene where they're calling to Madison and they're like, Hey Madison, wake up. We know you're in there and you see her in the cell. And she's seen what she's supposed to see. And then she sees what's actually there. Like that was a cool moment. I think where her yeah. brain's kind of like, nope, I'm back in control. Like, and this is what's actually happening. I thought that was very well done. That
0: was neat for sure. The monster has to wear a jacket and has to wear gloves because mm-hmm. always it would give away that it's the woman backwards, right? Yeah. So I like the way they disguised it and designed it so that you, you have no idea what's really going on until that end. And that makes the end even more shocking, which is cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and the hair and everything. Like, it yeah, yeah, has got exactly. long, dark hair. And yeah, it, it, it looks super cool backwards.
1: The hair was kind of a big symbol, right? Because I feel like every single person related to Emily, related to Madison had that long hair right the mom did and then you know the monster obviously because it was ended up being her but before I knew that I was like man every single thing connected to her has this like long dark wig or something on oh Mm -hmm. interesting yeah I didn't think about that oh yeah yeah. because it's so funny when we meet
2: Madison's mom I I -hmm. said out loud to the people that I was watching it with like why would they cast somebody that looks just like her it did not occur to me did not occur to me i was like that's bad casting i was like you have Uh all of these humans in hollywood to choose from and you choose
1: this lady right (laughs) (laughs) well i didn't get it at first either and then when i I think when i saw the picture of her from the orphanage i was like oh that's got to be her right because that's the same hair and then we were trying to figure out why he kidnapped that woman and trapped her and i was like, is that her mom? Is that going to be her mom? And yeah, so I didn't get it at first, but I know, like, as we mo- as we moved to the movie, I was like, everyone's got that long brown hair.
2: You Got it <laughs> faster than me. I was like, oh, <laughs> like
1: I went- <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of better if you don't get it till the end. It's a good because that's a really good like, whoa, I get it now moment. So
2: there's a reason. Yeah. It's nice when there's a reason, and the reason yeah. isn't like ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Emily, who would you recommend this film to?
2: Children um great family
0: film
2: ages five and below i don't i mean honestly if you're a horror fan i think you would like it if you don't like horror don't watch it because it will scare you and if you don't like being scared i can't help you man i you're missing out you're missing out on some naturally produced dopamine but uh i i understand
1: susan well, yeah. what do you think yeah i would agree if you like horror movies watch this because i think it's really well done it's really fun um there's some unique parts of it visually it's really cool so yeah
0: yeah i agree. I, I agree even more specifically mm-hmm. i would say if you like be horror movies yeah James Wan is a a wonderful director who can really update a film and bring it bring it. I mean, it's really fun, but it's cheesy. So if you're in the mood for something like that, check it out. Emily, why don't you introduce your husband so everyone knows who he is? (laughs) This
2: is comedian Chris Calagero, my wonderful husband, who is helping us because he knows movies way better than I do. I am
0: movies. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Let's get into it. So we'd like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling Monster Mash. We're going to see how well each of you know famous movie monsters. Emily and Chris, you're going to be teaming up with Susan. So here are the rules. I've given each of you a list of well-known movie monsters. You will take turns describing movies that feature the monster to each other as quickly as you can, but you cannot use a film with the monster in the name of it. You'll have two minutes to get your partners to guess as many as possible. And if you get seven right, Emily will win our prize. And Susan, what's well, our prize? We
1: should probably send them both a prize. If oh, yeah. If they, yeah. You um, guys will both get yeah. prizes. Yeah, it's, uh, no, yeah. I'll take mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, the prize is a Life in the Credits t-shirt. Um, Great. So some merch. Yeah. But we will make sure to mail that to you guys. Assuming we win. I think we will. We got three. I'm p- scared. We got okay. We'll
0: it. it's no pressure but don't lose <laughs> so
1: how many do we have to get right
0: you have to get seven in two okay, minutes Okay, cool. oh yeah we got this chris emily are you guys ready yeah. yeah susan ready yes all right here we go i will start the time as soon as susan gives you your first clue
1: right arachnophobia spiders
0: yes yes that's one point got it gotcha
1: anaconda <laughs> wait do we go now yeah yeah okay. yep. anaconda giant snakes yes okay two points yeah i
0: see i see
1: Okay. Uh, I believe this movie is called Child's Play. Dolls. Evil Actually. doll.
0: Yeah, Dracula, three Dracula. points.
1: Um, Jurassic Park. Uh, it's either Tyrannosaurus, Tyrannosaurus Rex or just dinosaurs in general. Dinosaurs. Oh, okay. okay. Rex four. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh. Uh, Dracula.
2: Um,
0: Vampires. Yeah. 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 Five points. <laughs> yeah.
1: Think of the word. Okay, you do the next
0: one. Um. Uh. ID four.
1: I... Oh, aliens. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Six okay. points. Awesome. Um. Jaws. Shark.
0: Shark. Killer shark. Yep. Seven points. Nice. You guys won. Ah. Keep going. Okay. Um.
1: Oh,
2: go for it. Go for it. It. Oh, clowns. Eight Scary points. Clowns. Yeah. Oh, we missed one. Okay, I'll do the next one next
1: time. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um. I don't know the title of a movie with this monster in it. I can't think of one right now. Um, but it's like a Dog Man. Well, uh, uh, werewolves. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that. Dog Man. I love it. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> Eight points. Okay. Dog Man. Poltergeist. A ghost. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Nine points. Um, I think Friday the Thirteenth. Um.
0: Slasher. Jason. I'm gonna give it to you. Okay. Yeah, it was serial killer, but okay. yes. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um this one I don't know.
0: Um,
1: um
2: oh. Oh my gosh. What? Um <laughs> malignant. Um, oh, oh.
1: One? evil twin? Yes, yes! Nice!
2: <laughs> we just talked about malignant <laughs> for like 15 nice. minutes and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna
0: go is like, that all of uh, them? Raising Cain, I think is an is, oh. an, okay. is an evil twin one. But yeah, yeah, or yeah. I
1: guess the shining. I think oh, those are evil too, yeah there, right? Oh, wow. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's not definitely not a main character, but...
0: Guys, yeah. I think you did all of them yeah, we in, did. in a minute 50. Yay!
1: Good job, good guys. Good job. You
0: guys killed it. Yeah. That was yeah, amazing. Get out of here. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, Emily and Chris, before we let you guys go, would you like to plug anything?
2: Sure. Okay. So well, Chris and I wrote a horror movie about our wedding that we would want to sell. And I wish that my manager will never listen to this. And I wish that he would work a little harder at selling it. Um (laughs) it's
0: called Bride and Doom.
2: It's called Bride and Doom. Nice. Um, That's a good title. Yeah, we realized when we were driving back from our wedding a couple of years ago that like it would be the perfect setting for um, you know, a mass murder. So there's that. I just put out a book called One Day Smarter. It's a trivia book. Get it wherever you get your books. I have a podcast called Comedians with those stories. And um, my Instagram and Twitter are at Emily MC Winter, Emily McWinter. I I shouldn't have picked that. My middle name's McKenna. It's bad. I shouldn't have done it, but it's over. It's done. Uh, Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, I'm at Real Chris Cal uh, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok all the things and um for movie people I've done a lot of videos like mocking movie clichés and things that are on my Twitter account so uh that's fun and uh that's it awesome
1: cool. well, thank you guys
0: yeah thanks guys it was such a pleasure to chat with you yeah. today thank
1: you so much this is really really fun life in the credits is hosted and produced by me Susan Swarner,
0: and me Ben Bloom
1: it's executive produced by Michelle Levin.
0: The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrobridgeSounds.com.
1: The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin.
0: If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at Patreon.com.
1: If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits, or shoot us an email at Lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.
2: This is still a thing that people
1: people still say fire, right? (laughs)